Hello and welcome to episode five of uh, Shut Up and Drink Your Juice, the award-winning podcast which takes its advice from the world of women's magazines from the point of view uh, of some people who are not women and struggle to get through a whole magazine. Hello from me, Paul Brunger. Hello. Hello from him, Rob Cowan. Hello. And hello from him, Matt Bird. Hello. How are you doing, guys? I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little bit ropey, actually. Yeah, I, was, I meant to say the podcast presented by three people, one of whom uh, has been up very late and not had much sleep. Yeah, I, I went on a bar crawl with some strangers uh, who were demographically unbalanced, I would say. It was about 80% Indian Indian software engineers, which is sort of reflective of San Francisco, but yeah. Is that the crowd you're rolling with out there in, in San Francisco? It, it was a meet-up group. I just like, oh, I'll go along sounded fun it was fun we went went around some bars uh and then we went to a karaoke bar in japantown sounds fun i, I think actually there is no worse job and i, I can i'll have to look back through the archives of jeremy spake's worst jobs in britain series but there, i think there's no worse job than the person who has to go around the rooms in a karaoke bar servicing the rooms because you just have to listen to such awful awful sounds what song did you do speaking of awful sounds uh, well, the microphone kept kept it getting past my way because nobody else wanted to do anything. Um, Can I just butt in there and just say that, Rob, I've been karaoke with you many times. Yeah, all right. The microphone doesn't just go around you. It's more sort <laughs> of it has to be you know grappled off you um, to get hold of it. So, so what songs did you actually do? Yeah, that is that is fair. Um, we did a bit of Bohemian Rhapsody, a couple of Beatles songs. Uh, I I typed in Creep, but it kind of got overridden somewhere along the way. Probably for the best. That's a shame. That's a shame. It's not the same without without a guitar ukulele combo backing it up anyway. No, exactly. So so with all your karaoke hogging, does this mean there are a bunch of San Franciscan Indian software engineers waking up somewhere now, hungover, going, who was that complete stranger that hogged the mic on our karaoke bar crawl? Well, they were all complete strangers to each other as well. It wasn't mostly... So, well, they'd be, well, I'm suggesting they say that to themselves as the way. I'm not suggesting they've all woken up in one giant Morecambe and Wise comedy bed. Well, so I, I missed out on the following orgy. Well, let's. So let's review the headlines. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we've got a, a, a mix here. I know, obviously, uh, unless you've picked up another copy of the supermarket tabloids, uh, Rob, you're a little bit out of range of this stuff. Yeah. But, uh, so Matt and I will give you give the rundown of what news you may have missed over in the States this week. Uh, so I uh, I've got Take a Break here, Saturday Night Fakeaway, Anton Deck caught my hubby with a secret wife. Ooh. This, 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 is Saturday Night Takeaway still a, still a show? I believe that is still going. Is it? Mm. Wow. Some people watch any shit, won't they? Matthew? Love it. Uh, is leading with awkward! Exclamation mark. His stag do stripper came to our wedding. Oh, that does sound awkward. Exclamation mark. Wow, I want to listen to that one. I would also just like to point out that uh, that's life. You know, that's what all the people say. Uh, the very top of it, of it, of the magazine, is leading with free steps tickets. And then in the corner, win £10,914. So, so they win £10,914 is pretty good because that beats take a break win exclamation mark £10,000 jackpot so if you're out there and you want to earn that little bit more money I'd buy that to life and enter that competition because you could win an extra £914 compared to the paltry sum of £10,000 with take a break does the magazine cost sort of three grand more or anything? Actually, Take a Break is more expensive with 94 pence for the 5th of October edition uh, compared to That's Life, which is 76 pence. So not only is That's Life slightly cheaper, 
you can also win more in its uh, big prize. Plus steps tickets. Mm, true. So carrying on with the uh, the headlines, Woman's Own have gone with Richard Madeley's TV makeover, working out, manicures, wine ban, although sadly that's uh, wine without an H. Pick Me Up have gone with School Run Inferno, slightly less interesting version of Disco Inferno, uh, although it does go on to state that I had four kids in the car. Wow, on fire. Doesn't sound like a very funny story, I have to say that. It sounds like tragedy. You're going back to the free steps tickets. I am, sorry, yeah, yeah. Take a break. Fate and Fortune, the exclusively psychics and ghosts spin on the regular Take a Break formula. Uh, it is billed as the spooky, all caps, real life mag, have gone with uh, no hiding place, stalker ghost discovered my hotel hideout. Shat magazine are leading with We Got Wed in Cyberspace. I heard it's nice there. Apparently so, yes. I'm looking forward to the follow-up story next week about I Got Scammed by Online Fake Bride. Uh, and Take a Break are leading with Hubby Destroyed My Face, Then He Dumped Me for Being Ugly. Oh, that sounds... Ha- that's ironic, if anything. Yeah. Again, it doesn't sound like it's going to be full of levity. No, there's, a, there's definitely a grim theme. I, th- I think... You know, the news in 2017 is a different prospect from uh, the news of years gone by. I think, I think everything does have a grimmer tinge. For example, uh, the, the subheader here on, on That's Life. With this ring, I be pimp. Evil fiancé used my body to pay for our wedding. Of all the ones which we've gone through, I want to hear more about that story. Yeah. Yeah, and Matthew, you're in the process of, of planning a wedding. I assume that, that there's no pimping involved, but you will know that it is quite expensive. Uh, I have been drawn attention to the expense which this costs, yeah. yeah so, I mean, the average price of a UK wedding, uh, I, I know from carefully researching this for my, my own purposes, is around £24,000. But actually, the the black market value of an entire set of human organs is significantly more than that. So my thinking is, if you're going to use a body to pay for the wedding, actually, there's a smarter way to do it. I, I think pimping is, is both distasteful and it's not a good return on investment. Whereas if you sold some bit, that covers it all quite well. So would you say that, OK, actually, I want to have a... Um a free bar which is i don't know x amount of money then that's a kidney or maybe half a liver well a kidney very interestingly so this this the information that i've, I've used to research this subject was provided by the fbi based on their black market dollar price of organs uh and interestingly a kidney uh you probably wouldn't cover your bar bill if you were to sell it in india or russia but if you sell it in the states there's a real premium on that and you'd expect even the thirstiest of wedding guests to be covered by that so even if you account let's say for example you were in india but you wanted to fly to the us is it worth the flight and the and the price difference i'm thinking this because of all the stories i've read about people who could in theory get the iphone 10 cheaper by flying to new york than driving to delaware where there's no sales tax does a similar thing apply where if you're going to pimp your organs, you're better off traveling to the US? I think that's right, but I think you need to do the flight first, then the organs. I understand that they're almost as difficult to get through customs as a new iPhone. Oh, and also, does sales tax apply in the US? Is there something we're not considering there? I assume the, the UK version would include VAT. Uh, value added, yeah. If you've removed it yourself, you, you yeah, but you presumably you can pass that cost on to the, the ultimate customer. Oh, that's true. Okay, yeah. Is it a luxury good? 
Um, a kidney? Yeah. Well, you've got two of them, haven't you? You can live off one, so it's probably so not. So the second one is a luxury. Mm. Yeah, it probably is vatable then. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that probably works. So I tried to work out what this would be. I mean, I have no idea what the going rate for a pimping is. I, I don't imagine it's on a par with this. So, I mean, weddings are really, really expensive. So I've lined up a little comparison of exactly what organs you would have to sell to pay for your big day. Oh, good. So a wedding venue, according to the average wedding price, £24,000 thing, the average wedding venue itself uh, costs around £3,000, so about $4,000. You could cover that through the sale of one coronary artery and one small intestine. The average dress, £1,000, so just a little over $1,000. Well, there's different schools of thought here because that is around the same price on the black market for a skull with complete set of teeth. But that's not a good look for your big day. If it's a skull, mm. like right, it's not just a head. It's specifically a hollowed out head with no no flesh attached. Yeah, so I, I imagine you could probably get extra for the brain. But if you just sell the skull with teeth, that will cover the price of your wedding dress. But then you have got an empty bag of sort of skin and brain matter yeah. uh, sort of flopping around in the photos. So what's actually better to do is uh, one stomach plus one spleen uh, gets you there on dollar value to about 1000 Oh, that seems that seems like it would work out as well. Mm. Flowers, another expensive one. Always surprises people how much wedding flowers are. So the average UK wedding spends around six hundred uh, pounds on flowers, around seven hundred and fifty dollars. So I mean, you could do that with uh, a, a set of hand and forearm. That would get you halfway there, but you'd only be able to carry half as many flowers. Oh, that's an ideal saving. That's kind of good. Yeah. Yeah. That's but looking at both sides of the balance sheet. That's really smart. Mm. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, you don't have to spend it if you've saved it. The alternative um, is you could cover the whole thing with uh, for the cost of two eyes, as long as they're matching. Uh, but as it's your wedding day, you should have eyes only for them. What if the flowers you bought? Would you buy irises? Oh, very good. That is good. And finally, the real biggie is the reception and catering. So reception catering, on average, UK wedding, about £8,000, say $10,000. Uh, the big challenge here is that most things are too low value to cover that. But the, the real premium organs, your, your kidneys, as we, as we mentioned earlier, and your livers, they're too high value. So you're going to have too much left over to cover what you want to do. So I thought an elegant solution to this problem might be if you asked your guests to contribute. So if you put a set of scalps on the wedding list, if 20 guests donate their scalp at around $500 a piece, that will cover you for the reception and catering. I mean, people already tend to have plates and things these days. So that's, you know, a wedding list can be used for things like honeymoon donations or, or collecting viscera that you then trade for wedding costs. Very good. It's almost like a top tip section in itself. So uh, that's that's how I'd recommend doing it to the to the horrible man in the in the with this ring I do the pimp scenario. Uh, just think a little smarter next time. So in the uh, in the actual news story, what did the guy do? I missed that. I think uh, he pimped her. Prostitution wise. Yeah, he didn't he didn't put plasma screens in her, repaint her, and build in sort of a feature based on her hobbies. It's not like West Coast Customs pimping. Right. Okay. It's the bad kind. It was prostitution pimping. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes, okay. it was. Just for yes. yes. Um, Good. Great. Yeah. Shall we do an update on our 
political campaign to get Theresa May to stop focusing on pretendy fake news issues and get onto real news, women's magazine driven policy making. For example, why aren't all firemen nude? <laughs> yeah, let's look at that. Yeah. So we've been writing to Number 10 Downing Street to try and get some of these policies kicked off uh, and taken in, put into law. Uh, in particular, I think kids' education these days is very much focusing on, on the wrong areas. It's all fake newsy sort of stuff about citizenship or hurricane disasters. Why aren't we teaching our kids all of the problems you can solve with either just a lemon, just an onion or with an old pair of jeans? And all art lessons should involve painting a pebble. Yep. Yeah, possibly with googly eyes stuck to it. It's about life skills, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think the national curriculum needs to be driven by this. I think, I think that and after-school classes for self-defence, for what happens if that monkey that rips people's faces off comes back. And I think Theresa May's hu- hubby should consistently be in the nuddy. Probably not. That's probably not worth it, that one. So, sorry, did you say in the nuddy or in a large investment management fund uh, that invests primarily in companies accused of tax avoidance? Uh, was it nuddy? Was it nuddy or the other one? I just what, didn't quite catch you. I I think I thought nuddy was a hedge fund. Oh, he's definitely in the nuddy then. Yeah. How else could public policy be improved by realigning with what the people really care about? Rob? Absolutely. Yeah. How else? All love rats should never be allowed to go to Dubai. Yeah, that's a good one. All work on the carnivals. Yeah, that's always an issue, isn't it? Inevitably, you go off, go and join the carnival. You marry a third woman. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's the prize on the games. I mean, there's a lot of things. I'm possibly you might just want to ban marriage because there's a lot of, and apart from hubbies being nutty, there's a lot of like perfect men who just turn out to be psychopaths. Yeah, or stalker ghosts. Tougher sentences for those too. Let's have some law and order on the ghosts. Yeah, it's one rule for the ghosts and one rule for the rest of us. It's like they don't even really legislate for them. It's like it's not a priority of this government. They should take a lead from Take a Break's Fate and Fortune edition rather than pretend news like the Mail or Take a Break Monthly. <laughs> so we've written our strongly worded letters to, to endorse these policies and we'll update you on any response we get back from number 10 uh, in, in a future episode. Over in the America, Rob, yeah. did you, did, what was the story heavily covered about the the tinder girl who threw poo i think it was but i might have just read it sort of on twitter and on, so the, BB, the, the the bbc serves you a different version of the bbc website over here you get american and canadian news on the homepage. so even but i, I even then i think this story broke through i think it was big enough news that the u.s version of the bbc website felt it was worth putting on the front page well, this would be another great example of something we should be campaigning on. We should be saying Theresa May sort out the issues involved in, in quote, woman gets stuck upside down in Tinder date's window trying to retrieve her poo until firefighters save her. I would th- that is a terrible headline, by the way. That is so clunky. You need an extra long piece of paper to put that. I think what amazes me about this story is that, you know, she, she became very, very famous very, very quickly. But as far as I'm aware, she's not been named at any stage. And you would have thought... Well, the, well no, it's, inter- it's interesting because I'm not strictly sure it's uh, consensual that the story has gone public because it's all very much the guy whose window it was rather than the girl whose poo it was. Well, yeah, absolutely. But what I mean is the full weight of all the tabloids must have been trying to track down this poor woman. And I don't think they have. 
which is interesting. She's are you, are you saying she's achieved what Princess Diana sadly couldn't and gotten away from the hounding of the gutter press? I think if anything good came from the death of Princess Diana, and obviously there was also that song, then it might be this. She died for this girl. So that she could live, albeit with a dreadful pooey secret. Well, she died so that this girl was not even born when Princess Diana died, so that this girl could... Maybe, maybe she... Maybe Princess Diana reincarnated as this girl so that she could one day poo, drop a poo out of the window, get stuck trying to retrieve the poo, get rescued by the firefighters, and then not get named by the tabloids. We'd have heard about it in the Express, though, I'm sure, if that was the case. Oh, yeah. A couple of things get me about this story. One of those is that the fire service are not simply described as rescuing her, but also rescuing the poo. I think that is important. Did, did she want it? I thought they just rescued cats more than people and cats up trees, not not shits. If that poo had been left where it was, uh, and it sounds like a very strange arrangement of, of like a gap that doesn't go anywhere, but if that poo had been left where it was, it could cause a pretty serious health hazard over time. Yeah, but I, w- I would say disposed of rather than rescued. I think, I think, albeit it's not as disturbing that the poo was rescued as if the girl had been disposed of, but I still think it should have been girl rescued and poo disposed of. Where was the poo put afterwards? Is that clear? Well, it was rescued, so presumably it was, it was returned to her. So, so if we can find the poo, we'll find the girl. Isn't that the sort of tagline of the first series of Heroes? Because <laughs> the guy's certainly been named, because he, he just describes her as a really lovely girl, but he's certainly kind of done well from the publicity. He's called Liam, yeah. Yeah, Liam of Bristol University, the PhD student. So he's in a lot of talking about it, but I just don't, I never feel, whenever he's interviewed, I never get the feeling that he's asked her for permission to talk about what is probably the worst moment of her life. Yeah, we should be laughing about it one day. I think, well, presumably, I I, I mean, the the window might have passed for this now, um, but presumably she could have sold her story as an exclusive and probably made a little bit of money but she's chosen not to which suggests she is quite embarrassed about the whole situation I can't imagine why you can't imagine why why she would be embarrassed that's a small window into your psyche Rob well if, if the other a small window, window smaller, facing another window over an alley with a poo thrown out of it there we go But I mean, I mean, you're right to describe this window configuration as, as very odd. One of our listeners actually wrote in on this subject and said no one has highlighted the key issue here, which is the bizarre non-compliance with building regulations. So as was described by uh, by Liam, the, the poo man in, in this story, the window uh, to his bathroom through which his embarrassed state had done a poo too big for the toilet attempted to throw the poo, quote, does not open into the garden, but instead into a narrow gap about a foot and a half, uh, separated from the outside uh, world by another double glazed window that that doesn't open. So it's a window that faces directly out onto another window. Um, So our listener wisely writes to say, well, ignore the poo and the stuck lady. The real issue here is the local planning department, uh, which is kind of all very well, but it's not really how how public interest and and sort of heartwarming, lovable, most read, most shared stories work. It's you know it's the sort of argument that Remain used about Brexit, where the is where the Remain campaign went wrong to say things like think about the facts and offering to actually solve the relevant problems, but it's not going to work because everyone's too distracted by a piece of shit.
so the school run inferno which you cleverly pointed out earlier rob it sounds like quite a sad story we sort of dig behind the headline and see how much Haley honeysett of thornton 33 uh, how is this car really meant to her it really comes out so Haley honeysett is just your your average eight and a half month pregnant mum of six with a car that she treats as her seventh slash eighth child you're doing the school run with with some of her brood ellie ronan madison and evie rose um and she is a pain to tell us that she loved her car so much we'd had it for two and a half years and it ferried us on day outs school runs cinema trips you name it trips to mcdonald's yep motorway trips yep trips to burger king yep trips to the doctors yep trip to the park uh yes so you know you name it and she was always you know having to deal with the 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 whole thing of having four young kids in a car always cleaning it keeping it really really clean so the last thing she expected on the way to school was for the dashboard to go on fire no whoa does it say what kind of car it was uh yeah it's a seven-seater ford s-max ford s-max whoa your s-max is on fire that's exactly what she said as the smoke started to fill the interior of the car were we about to go up in a fireball am i gonna lose my family right here in the car i love i was waiting for an explosion out now i barked we all clambered to get out of the car except oh no evie rose too said i want my school bag oh she's obsessed with her blooming poor patrol school bag to cut a long story short we got the bag and it was fine but then she realized the second natural priority in a burning car incident after the Paw Patrol bag. Ah, oh, left the handbrake off. So she heroically, and I say this 100% sincerity, got back in, put the handbrake on. Uh, at this point in the story, I was very much waiting for the next kid to say, oh, my slightly older trend of children's things, that, that themed school bag is still in there. Oh, my Bob the Builder bag, my Yoko Jakamoko Toto bag, my Keenan and Kel bag. I don't know. What is Paw Patrol? Paw Patrol? Yeah. Um, mm. I don't think you need to know about it until you have kids. Good. If you're a child listening to this show, please write in and tell us three 30-somethings uh, men that you don't know what Paw Patrol is. Or if you're a parent, I suppose that's just as good. Haley then goes on to say, huh, running on adrenaline, I completely forgot I even had a baby bump. I, I don't think forgot to the extent that she left that in the car as well. I think that was fine. But eventually... All five of them were on the pavement uh, where they could do nothing but watch as the car burnt. My pride and joy, except the four kids I've just evacuated from it, uh, are going up in smoke before my very eyes. I sent the kids off to school with the oldest, Ellie, in charge. Meanwhile, my car melted. The engine was half gone, the window smashed out, the doors melted shut. I called my husband. Uh, the car's gone on fire, I told him. Martin raced over and took photos of the car for the insurance company. Can you drive it? The insurance agent asked when Martin called them. No, he said. It has melted. It is a melted <laughs> car. Well, that's interesting. That's a good good story. I'm glad that everyone got out. And the Paw Patrol thing was rescued. Yeah. But that does appear to be the whole story as it stands, is that it nearly left a Paw Patrol bag in it. But ultimately everything, including the bag, was fine. Do we know the cause of the fire? Well, um, Hayley Honeyset wrote to Ford about this to try and, try and understand exactly what had caused a melty car. Uh, Ford spokesman said, We're sorry to hear about this incident with Miss Honeyset's car. 
We can't comment specifically about the cause. Given the age of the vehicle, brackets 2007, close brackets, it's highly unlikely the fire was a result of any manufacturing defect. So it's probably supposed to do that. If Theresa May's Britain was, was as it should be, obviously the fire brigade would have turned up naked uh, and rescued a poo from the car. <laughs> poo patrol. Um, I'm not sure your your bid to be uh, a successful children's series about how would poo patrol work? Would they be patrolling for poo on behalf of poo or are the patrollers themselves poo? Well, I do, I, I do know a little bit about poo patrol because it's been the, the live show of it is being advertised occasionally on TV here. Are all of the members of the Paw Patrol big anthropomorphic paws? No, this is what I was going to go to. So mm. they're dogs. They have paws. Okay. So for, for Poo Patrol to be consistent, you would simply have to have poo. Dogs with poos for feet. Not necessarily dogs. Animals with poos for feet. People. could be people with poos. Just people carrying poos. Basically, it would be a group of people who... It would maybe well be dog walkers, actually, with little black bags with poo in. Because they're the only people I've ever met who carry poos with them, apart from... Uh, poo lady. And what would be the purpose of their patrol? Well, I... get, get more poo, dispose of poo? Fighting crime? What's their view on poo? It may be unrelated to poo. I don't know what Paw Patrol does, but I'm pretty sure it's nothing to do with paws. So, yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, I think they'd probably just go around and deal with crime and happen to be carrying a, a dog walker's poo bag. So they don't necessarily use the poo in solving the crime? No, but they, what they do is when they reach the crime scene, they'll hang it up on a tree branch. And they forget to take it away with them. Oh, is that why you get that in trees? It's because they've put it on there temporarily and forgotten. Yeah, they they just put. Oh, I need to tie my shoelace. Oh, okay. oh, I need to solve this crime. Oh, there's a corpse here. Let, let me do a DNA swab. That sort of thing. Let me take some photographs of the crime scene. Oh, I need two hands for that, but this hand is inexplicably. I don't even have a dog. This hand is inexplicably carrying a, a, a plastic bag with with a dog poo in that I found on the street. And this case of the melted car isn't going to solve itself. It's not. Let me. Oh, hang on. Let me just hang it in this tree. Oh, look. There's another one here. This tree is just full of poo. So, top tips, guys. Um, anyone got any good tips this week? Yep, I've got one from Shat Magazine. Uh, fancy a cuppa? Exclamation mark. I often do. This is from Anne Forrester, and she clearly fancies a cuppa from Kingslyn. If you're making jelly and you run out of dishes to put it in. Just pour it in a cup. Yeah, cups do have a lot of similar traits. Uh, I think that's what Beyonce was talking about when she said, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. They just didn't have... Destiny's Child between them just didn't have enough bowls for jelly. So if only she'd had this tip. Perhaps if they'd had this tip, Destiny's Child would never have taken off. Beyonce would never be famous. We would never have cared about an Instagram photo of her pregnant or with some babies or whatever. And the world would be a very different place. Probably no Brexit, no Trump. Simply because... 15 years ago, or more. The other ones from Destiny's Child had enough cups. The other ones from Destiny's Child had had, had, had no bowls, but they, they had cups. Maybe. We'll never know. The world will never know. If you're a former member of Destiny's Child that isn't Beyonce listening to this and would like to update us on the cup situation... On who, first of all, on who you are. Yeah, we clearly do not know your names. That's probably our fault, sorry. I want to say Lisa Left Eye Lopez, but I think that's someone else who died. She's in TLC, I think. TLC. Is she dead? Yeah. Yes. In a plane crash? Yeah. Oh, that's Aaliyah. Ooh. Ooh. I'll check. If you've got the knowledge of the deaths or cups of soul singers of the 90s, uh, please tweet us at, at shutupdrink or email at shutupdrinkusage.gmail.com. And the problem we're having here is with Lisa Left Eye Lopez, I'm, I'm picturing Gabrielle 
Because she... she's only got a left eye. Yeah. Did Lisa Left Eye Lopez have a thing with her eye? Was that? Yeah, I think she sold her right for um, uh, a bunch of flowers. Oh, yeah. She sold it. My top tips this week, I've got another themed section like our previous uh, adventure into very, very distinct washing up liquid-based tips. A number of our listeners have written in with their best tips for the use of pegs. Oh, right. I, let me hang on. Can we play a game of guessing the uses of pegs before you share them with us? Uh, okay, go. Hanging at washing. Carry on. Clipping things together. Carry on. I'm out. I'm out. No, well, I mean... You're you're wrong, but you're right. In in the other theme, uh, most of this is indeed pegging things together, but def- definitely very innovative, completely distinctive tips. So uh, peg tip one: protect your hands while cutting roses by pegging the stem with a peg. Then you can hold the rose in a peg. Oh, that's good. And you don't have to hold it yourself and get stabbed. I know. I'm picturing. Obviously, I, I'm I'm too far away to see this magazine. I'm picturing a traditional, old-fashioned, non-mechanical peg, just like a wooden one with a slot in. Am I incorrect? Uh, well, the the picture that our four distinct listeners have sent in is of some plastic pegs, but I imagine you could do that rose thing with with either. Okay. Peg tip two: make an apron using clothes pegs. Clip a kitchen towel to your waistband to form a quick pinny. A kitchen towel to your waistband to form a quick pinny. Okay. So pegging clothing to do yourself or improvised clothing. It basically, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's specific to aprons. I think it's just if you don't have any clothes, just peg things to yourself. You, yeah, to your skin. Yes. Peg a little handkerchief to your bits. You could. Peg tip three: a saucy one. Cut down on boil-over mess by attaching a peg to a saucepan so that the steam can escape past the lid. Oh, oh, that is good. So that's, that's, that's pegging something open rather than pegging something closed. That's innovation right there from our listener, Vanessa Rand. Well done, Vanessa Rand. I, I would want to use a wooden peg for that rather than a plastic one in case it was really, really hot. If it yeah. melted. Or yeah. if it just went on fire and melted inexplicably, which some seven-seater Ford X-Maxes and other things do. And I don't know whether this is a, a thing in Britain, but here everybody's obsessed with BPA which is uh, some chemical contained in some plastics. Is that the thing where if you refill a water bottle loads, you're going to die? Yeah, that, that thing. To is the it extent, real? To the extent, well, I don't know. I don't know. I've never looked into it, but it sounds like it sounds like it's probably not. But that would that would be a concern for some readers, I think, if you used a plastic peg. So a wooden peg would be more suitable there. So this peg may cause kidney failure and death in some cases. You, we would, uh, certainly over here, we would need that disclaimer. Hmm. Peg tip four, stay fresh. Clip a peg onto open packets of food to reclose them and keep them fresh for longer. So pegging something closed. I don't think there's much innovation there. I mean, yeah, I, to, to, be, to be fair, using them as a grabber, a thing that keeps your clothes on, or to peg something open, are relatively innovative. But pegging something closed, I mean, I don't know if that's that's less of a tip and more just the instructions for a peg. Except, no, because the actual use of a peg is not to peg stuff closed, it's just to, it's to stick clothes to a a string so you're saying the second one's shit <laughs> which one was the second one about pegging clothes to you oh yeah no actually that's true that's the that's the least innovative one but it, i just feel I, well i suppose it's a cost saver because there are specific things you can use to peg plastic bags shut in the kitchen she's saying don't waste your money on those you've got a bag of uh, clothes pegs again though bpa concerns if listeners want to give us their own peg tips 
or indeed comment on which one they think is the shittest peg tip, then they can contact us at, at shutupdrink or shutupanddrinkyjuice at gmail.com. Or if your name's Peg, please just send in any tip unrelated to pegs, and we'll include it in the same feature. Yeah, that will definitely make the top five peg tips. Yeah. Guaranteed. Have you got any tips, Rob? Um, so I've got one more tip here. Okay. Uh, this has been, it's just come in actually, it's been... Um, Live tip. It's been sent via Snapchat by Angie Laird from the Wirral. She says, for a clean cut and to avoid dirtying a knife, use dental floss to cut cakes into the required number of slices. I think this is a, a, a good tip, a good bit of advice. Everyone has a little pack of dental floss sitting in their cupboard. Sometimes the dentist will give you a pack of dental floss, but literally nobody has ever used dental floss more than, say, twice. Mm. So it just sits in the cupboard anyway. So while it may seem wasteful that instead of dirtying a knife, you're throwing away a piece of floss, this is floss that otherwise would have stayed in the cupboard until the death of its owner. So what Angela's done is invented the minty cake garot. Yeah. And you can go to the dentist, and when they say, do you floss often, your normal response is, but you can actually say this time, and mean it, because you do floss. Just cut, you floss cut, your, cut your chocolate cake. cake. Yeah. <laughs> they're rooting around your mouth, telling you off a little bit, and they're going, why have you got so much cake in here? Why is your why are your teeth literally caked with cake? <laughs> and you can go, well, I was flossing earlier, and this is what happened. <laughs> I was flossing earlier, and this is what happened. Uh, shall we end with uh, some trumps? Yes. I have got a fistful of FIFA World Cup Brazil stickers. They are in random orders. So what I'll do is I'm going to turn them upside down so I just see numbers and I haven't memorised all of them because it's quite a... It's a stack of about an inch and a half, two inch deep stack of, of swapsies, which never got swapped. It's quite sad, really. So let's get this reused and bring them back into life. Um what I'll do is I'll say I'm starting and I'm going to slowly run my fingers down the stack of uh, stickers and then I want Paul and then Rob to say now and then now and then I will get those two stickers out and I'll get the last one and then we'll do a uh, a trump from that, okay? I feel like this is unnecessarily procedural. Ready? Now. Go. Yep. No. Okay. Right. Okay. So, Paul, you have got uh, Rui Patricio. Patricio, yeah, formerly from, of Real Madrid, uh, from Port- uh, Portugal. Yeah. Yes, yeah, but yeah. Portuguese goalkeeper by looks of it. And Rob, you have got Avdija Vrsevic from Slovenia, uh, and I have got Alexandros Tizolis from Greece. Well, I think I think probably Paul wins that. Yeah, uh, I've got does. I've got the most pronounceable one, so I should win on those grounds. Yeah, I'll do one more. Okay, remember shout and shout. Well done, okay, ready, go. No. Right, okay. Paul, you've got Jasper Killison from the Netherlands. Rob, you've got Alessio Cerci from Italy. Okay. And I have got Jose Holibas from Greece. I think Paul's character, yeah. Paul's um, Paul's footballer, is a is he a character from Borgen? Uh, no, but he did play uh, at Ajax. Back in back in the day, so you probably saw him. Yeah, did we go and see an Ajax? We game? did. I think we go to the Ajax final, and he, he might have played yeah. in that, but I would have to check. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he should win on the grounds that he was a civil servant or a journalist or something in a Danish political drama, as well as being in a game that we actually saw. So I think Paul wins 2-0. 2-0-0. Two what a way to go out! That's my first win in, in over three years. I'm I'm going to be dining out on this one. 
uh, literally because I've got to go and dine out. I, I will. So on that shock victory bombshell for me, thanks to Jasper Sillison and Rui Patricio, I think that's all we've got time for in this this rip-roaring episode or possibly two episodes, depending on how we edit it, of Shut Up and Drink Your Juice. I think the only thing that remains to be said is goodbye from me, Paul Brunger. Goodbye. Goodbye from him, Rob Cowan. Goodbye. And goodbye from him at the dentist, Matt Bird. Or.